0: Well, good morning, boys and girls. This is rather a special day, for me anyway, because it's my last assembly with you for this school term. And it brings to an end a school term that in later years you'll look back on and you'll remember as being a most strange time. Our country is passing through a strange time. Sometimes we don't recognize just what exactly is happening around us. But I feel that as the years go by, we will recognize and realize that something, I can't really think of the proper word to use, something wonderful, something strange, something that carries the mark of God upon it is happening in our land. Not just in our land, but across the world. Because boys and girls, This COVID plague, I believe, has been sent of God. Very few seem to recognize that, even Christians. Now, when God is acting in such a very obvious way, we should sit up and take notice. And we should ask ourselves the question, why? But very few, very few give any thought to what purpose God had in sending this plague upon us? They're more interested in getting their worldly places of entertainment open again. Getting back to their worldly ways and sinful ways. And they rage against the government because of restrictions that the government has brought in, which by and large are right. You know what I read the other day? I hope your geography's good. Off the north coast of Northern Ireland, there's a little island called Rathlin Island. Well, it's separated, you see, between the shore and the island. And there has not been one case of COVID on the island. Why? Separation. And the regulations brought in by government have basically been about separation. We wear a mask. I'm allowed to take mine off when I'm speaking to you. Otherwise, you wouldn't hardly hear what I was saying. But otherwise, I would be wearing a mask. And as part of the separation, we keep our distance. You're all spread out here, sitting apart, apart from some who are allowed to sit beside family members. But it's all part of the attempts to hinder the spread of this disease. When we went to shops, we had notices saying, remember social distancing, keep apart. Separation is the key. Of course, the Bible has always said that. The Bible tells us that separation is the key to avoiding sin and the judgment that it brings. Now, I didn't intend to say these things, but since they have come to my mind and I'm saying them, I'll read to you a few words from the very first psalm, but this is not part of our study. We'll be coming to Jonah in a minute or two. Jonah's standing over there patiently waiting on us, turning to his word. Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. The blessed man keeps apart. He keeps apart from the ways of the world and sinful people, and he keeps close to the Lord. And boys and girls, that's the central rule of the Bible with regard to our safety and our deliverance from sin. We have seen oh, it's now fifteen, sixteen months since the COVID pandemic came amongst us, but how few have realised. This is the hand of God. People are slow to see the hand of God at work. Well, having said that, and this being my last assembly, I trust the Lord will bless us. I hope I'll be able to join with you in September and that the Lord will strengthen us to do that. Now turn to Jonah, please. Turn to Jonah, the chapter 3. I feel that I would like to go back again to the verse 1 of chapter 3. Yesterday you may remember As I was speaking, I said that we might mention this again. Go back over this portion. And I just felt in my heart that, oh, there's things yet to be said about these opening verses. So, we're going to look at them today. And we'll read the verses, the first thing we do. That's the most important matter of all. Reading what God said before we do anything else, we read what the Bible says. Verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days! And Nineveh shall be overthrown. We did comment on these words yesterday somewhat, but there's an awful lot yet that could be said about it. And I'd like just to point out some things that I feel would be helpful to us all. And the first thing I want to note with you is the great mercy of God toward one of his saints. Now we see mercy displayed toward Nineveh. But before that happened... There is a display of mercy by God toward Jonah. See what it says in the first one? The word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. That's mercy, boys and girls. That's mercy. Jonah has learned lessons at the hand of God. We read about that in the chapter 1 and 2. What he passed through was most unique. It never happened to any man before, and it never has happened to any man since, really. Now he has been cast out by the wheel onto the shore, and from the shore he goes at God's bidding to Nineveh. He's been humbled, and the spirit of questioning God's wisdom that you see in him, in the opening verses, when he ran away, wouldn't do what God told him. Thought what God had said to him about going to Nineveh, Was wrong. So he ran away. He questioned God's wisdom. But that's all done with now. He's not questioning God anymore. He's learned his lesson. He's learned his lesson. He's restored to the land of the living. Out of the belly of the wheel. But he's also restored to obedience and submission to the Lord. He's like the prodigal in a way, isn't he? He went away defiant. Passed through a time of trial and then came back submissively and surrendered to his father. Well, that's what Jonah has done. That's what Jonah has done. And we have to notice the great overriding, overruling mercy of God toward this man Jonah. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Listen to me, boys and girls. And I want you to think about your own conduct and attitude toward others. If someone says something to you that you think is nasty, what do you do? You say, I'll not talk to them anymore. I'm not speaking to them. Isn't that what happened? Over the years in the school, we've seen that happen. We've seen that happen. And suddenly too, that we're always running about together, they're not speaking. Something has happened. One of them is annoyed with the other, but God doesn't do that. Now, Jonah had offended the Lord. Jonah, in what he did, was most insulting, most offensive, most defiant toward God. And yet, the word of the Lord came again. The Lord didn't stop speaking. He didn't turn his back on Jonah. He didn't say, I'm finished with him. No. And what a mercy it is, boys and girls. When we deserve to be cast off, he doesn't cast us off. If you're one of his, he never will abandon you. He never will abandon you. This is the mercy of God. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. You know, when we're backslidden, we don't hear God. We're not in a state to listen and take note of what he says. And that was the state of Jonah in chapter 1. He ran away. He didn't want to hear. Now, by God's mercy, he has been dealt with. And when the word of the Lord comes the second time, Jonah's listening. Jonah's listening. That's important. Notice too, and this is important, what God says the second time is exactly the same as he said the first time. The message of God to Jonah is, according to verse 2 of chapter 3, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. And what does he say? In chapter 1, the verse 2, Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. It's the same message to Jonah. Let me tell you something, boys and girls. There are many in this world that will come and tell you that the message of God has changed. It's different today from what it used to be, so that we don't heed the Bible anymore. more. plenty say that? I just wrote an article a few days ago against a lady who very foolishly was saying that very thing. Even though she professes to be a Christian. She was telling us that there's another message. There's another message. But there isn't another message, boys and girls. There's only one message. And every time God speaks, he says the same thing here. God's word to Jonah was the same. Go to Nineveh and preach. Go to Nineveh and preach. There is no new message, and I want you to understand this. I want you, as you grow older and go out to work and face the world, I want you to ever remember God's message hasn't changed. The message that you read in Genesis is still the message for today. No new word, no new message. Again, and this is important, God entrusts his work to those who have failed. Do you hear me? What was Jonah? He was a failure. When first he was told what the Lord wanted him to do, he turned his back and he ran. He failed God. He was disobedient. But this man who failed God is the one the Lord turns to now and says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. God's giving this great task to a man who had failed him. And I thought about this. There's quite a number of wee thoughts came into my head. I thought of some of the greatest servants whose lives are mentioned in the Bible. And every one of them was a failure. Every one of them. Didn't Peter fail the Lord? Didn't he stand up? And the Lord Jesus was only a short distance away, and he stood up and he said in response to a young lassie saying to him, Are you not one of them? Are you not one of his disciples? He said, No, no, I don't know that man. That's an awful thing Peter did. An awful thing. And I am sure Peter lived the rest of his days. And when that memory came into his heart, it wounded him deeply. In the presence of the Lord Jesus, he loudly proclaimed, I don't know him. I don't follow him. He means nothing to me. What a failure that was. And yet Peter was the man on the day of Pentecost that preached the gospel in the power of the Holy Ghost. And thousands were saved. God uses failures. Now that's a comfort to me. And I want you to ever remember that. Because you see, when we do feel God, and we all feel God, but when we do feel God, the first one to come and speak to us is the devil. And the devil says, you're finished. You're finished. You've ruined everything. There's no place for you in God's plan anymore. That's a lie. Indeed, boys and girls, that's all the devil can utter. He can't tell the truth. He can only tell a lie. And the Bible shows us that there is a place in God's plan and purpose for failures. Indeed, that's all he uses. Paul failed the Lord. Elijah failed the Lord. And I could go right down the line, bringing in Moses, bringing in David, Samson. All the great men there were failures in their lives, but God, in mercy, restored them and made use of them. You see, God has nothing else to use but failures. As He looks round His people, there's one thing they all have in common. They have failed God at some time or other. And it's from them that God must Pick his instruments and his servants. And by his grace, he uses such. And it is to God's glory that so much has been accomplished through the gospel when the instruments God has used have been failures. That shows that the works of God is not of man. The success is not of preachers or their personalities or their gifts and abilities. No! The greatest of them! Failures! The success that followed their neighbors is a result of God working and God's mercy. The second thing I want you to notice is the solemn duty that God gave to the preacher. Look at the solemn duty. Well, first of all, Jonah must go where he is directed. Arise, go to Nineveh. Go to Nineveh. If you're going to serve the Lord and be faithful to him, there are times when it will not be easy. In fact, I suppose we could say that it never will be easy. Go to Nineveh, that great city. It was great in size and it was great in its sinfulness. It had a reputation throughout the whole known world in that day as a city of sin. And it was no easy task given to Jonah to go there. It was a great journey. It was quite a distance between where Jonah was on the shores of Israel, of the Mediterranean, all the way to Nineveh. Nearly 400 miles, I suppose. And he had to walk all the way. Oftentimes, going on God's work involves hardship and difficulties, and it's not easy. And when he went there, he had to face the great sinfulness of the people, contend with the people who were living lives totally void, empty, of any consideration or thought of God. And into that world, Jonah came to talk about God. Oh, now, it was quite a difficult thing God was giving him to do. But he must go where God directed him. And it would seem to me that Jonah made no move until he was directed. If you look there... At the first verse, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. He didn't know. Now he had already, and I'm sure he remembered this, he had already been told, as is recorded in chapter 1, verse 1, to go to Nineveh with a message. Yet now that he's restored, he waits for God to bid him to go the second time. And then when he's bidden, he goes. Preachers, missionaries, Christians generally must ever remember they must wait on the Lord and do his bidding. Do his bidding. Old Jonah, as it were, he's cast out of the belly of the whale, he's on the shore, and he's standing there waiting on God to say go. And when God does, Say, go, he goes. He doesn't presume, he doesn't say, well, I know what God has told me to do, so I'll just start doing it. No, he waits until God speaks to him and gives him the same directions to act. And then he acts. He must preach what he is given, and nothing else. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Go and preach the preaching that I bid thee. Oh, that God's people would take note of that. We must not step outside that which God bids us to do. We can't add to it. We can't take away from it. We must not alter it in any way. But all that God says, we must proclaim and we must live by what's in the Bible. You can't turn its pages and say, oh, there's a nice thing, I'll do that. And turn another page and say, oh boy, I don't like that, I'll just Ignore it. You can't do that. Whatever God says, we have to do. And for preachers, whatever God bids us preach, that's what we must preach. I would that preachers today thought on that. You know, boys and girls, today, sadly, there's a lot in the Bible preachers ignore. And they ignore it because it would annoy people for them to preach it. And they seem to forget that it annoys God when they don't preach it. I can't understand that. Now, many times in my life, I have known that what I'm about to say will annoy people. I have known that. And did I say it because I like annoying people? No, it's not that reason. But I knew if I didn't say what I was about to say, I would annoy the Lord. For I was only preaching his word, his word. I always recall, and my memory does let me down at times, but it was the great Latimer the English reformer who was before King Henry. And he preached, and what he preached annoyed Henry. Well, King Henry, such was the power and authority of kings back then. He could have just lifted his hand and pointed to Latimer and commanded his soldiers, take him out and kill him. He could have done that, in fact. Sadly, he did that many times on different individuals. Well, he didn't just say that. But he let Latimer know that he had annoyed him with what he preached. And he said, you come back and preach again, and you better not say that which annoys me. And the next day or so, Latimer turned up, having been commanded to preach again. And before he started to preach, he spoke to himself. And he said, Latimer, you stand before the king. And if you annoy him, he can take away your life. Don't forget that. But, Latimer, remember also, you stand before God, and if you annoy him, he can damn both your body and your soul in eternal hell. Keep that in mind, Latimer, as you preach. And old Latimer preached the same message as he had preached the previous day, and preached it with even greater vigor. And old King Henry, give him his due, he said, I wish I had more faithful men like Latimer, or words to that effect. He recognized the faithfulness of the man who acted in fear of God rather than fear of the King. And preachers must preach even though they know it's only to annoy people, because if they don't preach God's word, they'll annoy the Lord. They'll annoy the Lord. You notice that he had to act immediately. There was no delay. No delay. He started off right away. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Verse three of chapter three. Now, when you think of what Jonah had been through down there in the belly of the whale, you must think to yourself: there's many a thing he could have said. I must do things, Lord. I must change my clothes. I must go and see my family. They might have heard about me being thrown overboard and all worried. He could have come up with many as an excuse to put off going to Nineveh. But it would appear he didn't. Now, doubtless, his family would have heard that he was back well and safe. But he didn't delay to spend time with them. He arose and went to Nineveh. Nothing else was regarded. And that's how God's people must ever act. You will have to do the same. You'll have to put God first. There are times you'll have to choose between Him And things you love and people you love. You'll have to put God first. Jonah showed diligence. Verses 3 and 4 again. So Jonah rose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days journey. That means it either was three days journeying to get from one end of it to the other or three days journeying to get round it. It was a big city. A big city. And Jonah began to enter into the city at his journey and he cried and said, He did his best to visit every place. Now he couldn't visit every street, he couldn't visit every house, but he would have visited every place within the city where people gathered. The marketplaces. I'm sure there were parks and gardens in that great city and he would have gone there. Wherever people gathered, he went in order to get God's word To as many as he could, he was most diligent. What a lesson that is for the people of God today. Use every means possible. When I started out as a student over in Lisbon Law, I used to like to get an advert into the impartial reporter, the local newspaper. In fact, at that time, there were very, very few advertisements for meetings in the impartial reporter. And then along came Lispelow Free Presbyterian Church from big adverts, giving the subjects that were going to be dealt with Sunday by Sunday. And others began to put in wee adverts as well, little mission halls and so forth and so on, in the area. I believe that even though it mightn't bring one person in, it did, but even if it hadn't, Brought people in. People were reading what the sermon subject was. And there was a stirring of their minds, I hope, as a result. And remains. That's what Jonah did. And then I want you to notice something that I thought about only when I was getting ready for today. Do you notice that Jonah was able to say exactly when the judgment was coming? He says in verse 4, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Yet forty days. People could have gone home having heard Jonah speak to them, and they could have written in their diary, The city will only last another forty days. Then God's judgment's coming. And I thought, well, God doesn't normally tell people when judgment is coming. In fact, the scripture says we know not the hour. That God has appointed when Christ will come again. And come in judgment against those who have cared little about his word and his gospel. We don't know when it will be. But here God's telling the people of Nineveh exactly when the judgment's coming. And I thought about this. Why should God do that? And here are my thoughts on the matter. God had appointed a day, 40 days hence in which he was gonna destroy the city. That's not a long period. That's just a month and a half. Less. Forty days. Now if Jonah had said Judgment is coming, there might have been plenty who would have taken note of that and said, Yes, judgment's coming. We better think about this. We better think about this I'll think about it tomorrow. And they would have thought to themselves, We have plenty of time. But they didn't have and God in mercy was letting them know you don't have a lot of time. you only 40 days. 40 days to get right with God and then chase after your family members and get them right with God. 40 days to prepare for the judgment that's coming. And I believe that because the time was short and the people needed every day of the 40, they were given that specific information. And as I thought on this, I thought of the time when the Lord Jesus is coming again. He is coming again. And just before his return, just before his return, people will be told. He's coming any day now. People will be told. He's coming any day now. I'll give you proof of this, for I wouldn't want to tell you something that's just my own notion. In Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, verse 29, immediately, with power and great glory. Those verses 29 and 30 indicate that just before the Savior comes, the world is going to be told He's coming. There will be signs in the heavens, the sun, the moon. It's not just a matter of a preacher saying something. God is going to employ the sun and the moon as a means of telling the world Christ is about to come. For time is short. The chances that men have of getting right with God are very, very few and very short. And so the Lord is indicating and will indicate at the very end of this age that the time has come. The time has come. And that's how it was with Jonah. He was coming to Nineveh and he was about to tell them, the time has come. Your day of opportunity is about to run out. God's mercy is about to come to an end and judgment begin." You have forty days. How kind is the Lord to speak so specifically? Boys and girls, let me tell you now. You're young and life seems to stretch on before you endlessly. But no, it'll pass. The time is short. You get right with God. If you're not saved today, get right with God. We're almost at the end of the term and you can look back and remember when it seemed as if school would never end. The holidays would never come, but they have come. And I hate to tell you, they'll pass. Holidays will come to an end. Time is passing, boys and girls. You need to get right with God. You need to obey the gospel. Well, may the Lord bless you. And during your holiday days and weeks, don't forget the Lord. As you get out of bed each morning, think of going off to play somewhere. Just remember, when I was at school, the first thing we had each morning was the assembly. We prayed, we sang, we heard the word of God. Don't forget that. And take time before you head out to play, to read from the Bible, and to bow your head and pray and talk to the Lord. Now let's just close with a wee word of prayer. O oh God our Heavenly Father, we can but appeal to Thee, Lord, to bless Your words to the hearts of boys and girls, for no matter what emphasis I may try to put upon it, it will enter no heart without the workings of thy grace. Speak to each boy and girl here today and grant your mercy. Take care of them during the summer months. May they never forget thee. Be kind to them, Lord, and draw them aside to thee day after day. Undertake for the school in all its needs. Be with the boys and girls today and tomorrow and these closing days and with the teachers. And may they too find rest rest refreshment in the weeks of the summer. Answer prayer for us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.